Let's jump in. Grab your Bibles if you have those. Um, all the super saved people brought their Bibles to church. Amen. Yeah, we heard them all. If you didn't, it's okay. We still love you. Uh, it's going to be on the screen behind me. We're going to jump into 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verse 23. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Uh, that, again, that's going to be the word that we hang out today. Sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept in blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, our helper, is, is at work right now. He's always at work uh, on our behalf. We know that the Father is at the right hand of the, uh, the Son is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and I. He's praying for you and I, and the Holy Spirit is right now constantly working in our lives. Uh, and the ultimate goal of that is to sanctify us. And we're going to talk about what that means. But before we do, will you pray with me one more time? God, I, I just thank you that you're a good father. I thank you that uh, even in my sin, even in my hangups, sh shortcomings, Father, uh, you are still patient, gracious, and loving towards me uh, because of your sanctification process that's happening in my heart uh, from the inside out, God. And I just, I pray that this morning uh, we would know that you are at work, even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, uh, you are working on our behalf, God, and you have good plans for us. You have good things for us, Father. Uh, and I pray that we would yield to the Spirit of God, uh, to your Spirit, and that we would be obedient uh, to the things that you've called us to be obedient in, Father. Uh, this morning, Father, would you help me uh, preach your word with boldness and with power this morning? We love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, have you ever had something in your life? Maybe it's sin, maybe it's shortcomings, maybe... Uh, it's a, it's a hangup in your life uh, that you have just dealt with for a long period of time. Uh, that again might be sin. It might be some type of maybe it's anger that you're always acting out of anger, uh, and we know that the Bible says, "Hey, don't sin out of your anger." Right? Uh, maybe uh, it's just shortcomings. Maybe you're impatient. Uh, maybe you're not kind at work. Whatever it may be, I think we've all had something in our lives that we've dealt with over a period of time where we constantly are going to God and saying, God, why can I not stop doing this? Why can't I not start being this person? I want to be a person of the fruit of the Spirit. I want to be loving. I want to be kind. I want to be anxious. But Lord, the people you surrounded me with, it makes it impossible, right? Um, and so I think we all have these things in our lives where we have just battled with for a long period of time. And we wonder, man, is this ever going to get out of my life? Is this sin, uh, this sinful act, maybe these lustful thoughts, maybe uh, these uh, things that I'm doing that causes uh, hurt to the heart of God, are they ever gonna leave? And I think we find ourselves like the Apostle Paul. There's a part in scripture where he says, man, I keep doing what I don't wanna do and I don't wanna do uh, what I need to do. Right, And that's kind of where we find ourselves in this space when we're battling sin, when we're trying to get rid of these things in our life. Uh, we find ourselves like the Apostle Paul and we, we're frustrated because we then try to talk about it. And the one thing that people say is, well, you should just, you, you should give it to God, right? And they mean well, and, 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 and I mean well when I say that, man, you should give it to God. But at the end of the day, sometimes we just want to hear something uh, it, it, for the lack of words, something more real as if that's not real enough to give it to God. And so this morning, uh, we're going to look at scripture and we're going to look at how God sanctifies us, how he, he, he changes us from the inside out. 
Um, here's the thing, because if we don't, man, we give into those things, right? If you've been dealing with sin in your life for a long period of time and you haven't dealt with it, you're going to easily give into it every time that temptation rises in front of you, right? If you haven't dealt with your anger, everything is just going to trigger you, right? If you haven't dealt with your lustful thoughts, that's going to take you deeper and farther than you think you can go and the enemy will get you there. All right. And so the importance of addressing that sin, those shortcomings, those hangups are so important and so vital in your walk with God, because if not, you're going to give into them every single time. Right. If you deal with drunkenness and, and, and there's a party, you're going to give into that. Why? Because you've always given yourself over to that. And God wants to change you from the inside out, not begin again. God's not in the business of taking away just to take away, but he's in the business of giving and he knows that there's no, there's no hope he can give you at the bottom of a bottle. There's no hope he can give you. There's no joy he can give you if all you are is angry all the time, right? And so we have to address these things. I want to put it in a better picture and, and I debated on whether to paint this picture for you or not uh, because it's kind of grotesque. Years ago, uh, playing sports my whole life, uh, about when I went to college, um, I, I noticed when I started taking off my shoes and my socks that my toes started to look funny, okay? Uh, and I thought it was just from the years of my toes hitting my cleats, hitting my basketball shoes, just over and over, uh, just the beating that my feet took uh, playing sports. And so I noticed in my, both my big toes, I was like, oh man, those are starting to look a little discolored, uh, if you will. And, 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 and I went off to college, you know, not thinking anything of it, whatever. I'm done playing sports. They're going to heal up um, and we'll be good. And just every day I, I just started to notice the change in my toenails. Okay. So now you got this picture of my big toe in your head. Okay. And over a period of time, I was like, ah, maybe I should go check this out. Maybe I should go to the doctor. Um, you know, I, and then I was just like, nah, it'll be all right. And we ignore it. And this is what we do. Uh, this is this, the picture I'm trying to paint in your head. This is what we do with sin in our life. This is what we do with the short, the, the, the things that God wants to deal with in our lives. We say, ah, I see it. I acknowledge it. But you know what? I, it, it'll go away eventually, right? God will take that out of my life eventually if I just ignore it, maybe even suppress it and hide it from everybody else. And so I go on. And, and in three, the, the years out I was in school, I started to notice that it then began to go to my other toes and to the point where I started to get embarrassed. And I was like, oh my gosh, uh, I, I need to do something about this, right? Now, the smart thing would have been go to the doctor, right? Go to the one who can prescribe, who, who, who can diagnose correctly. And so, uh, but instead of that, right, we want to, we, we try to do that on our own life with sin. We say, you know what? I don't need anything. I'll, I'll do it. I'll muster up enough willpower to change it myself. I don't need God to deal with my anger. I don't need God to deal with my lust. I don't need God to deal with my pride. I don't need, I can take care of it myself. And so that's what I did with my toenails. And I was like, I'll just take care of it myself. So instead of going to the doctor, I went to Dr. Google, right? And before I knew it, it said that I was going to have to cut off my legs and I was going to die in six months, right? Uh, and, and I just kept researching. And so again, I tried to deal with it myself. I tried everything possible. I tried ointments. I tried, uh, things you put on your toenail. Cause eventually I, I found out, okay, I got a toe fungus. All right. And that's spreading 
in my feet. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. This is so disgusting. Uh, and it's probably disgusting for you hearing it because now you just got a picture of my feet. There's a happy ending to this story. And, and so I try everything you can imagine. I'm soaking my feet in Listerine. I'm soaking my, yeah, I'm soaking my feet in apple cider. I'm doing everything that I can to rid of myself of this fungus in my toes. And guess what? It's still there. I, could, I couldn't fight it off. Let me tell you, if you continue in your life trying to fight off whatever you're trying to fight off, whatever the enemy's trying to put in your life, you are not strong enough. You're not smart enough. You're not educated enough. You cannot outsmart the enemy. He's been doing this for a very, very long time. From the beginning of, of time, we see in Genesis. And that's why you and I, we have to give it to God. But I didn't want, I wanted to take care of it by myself. You know, finally I graduated, I get a job, uh, and I, I can afford to go to a doctor, right? I, I can just go to the doctor. But I, at this point, was too embarrassed. And so what did I learn to do? I learned to suppress it, and I learned to hide it. I go to the pool. I knew I knew how to get right next to the pool. Kick my shoes off and then jump in the pool. And so nobody could see my toes, right? Nobody could see it. They were hidden. It wasn't affecting anybody. It was, nobody could see it. I just did a really good job of hiding it. And guess what? I got really, really good at hiding my feet. I tried to do other things to make, uh, to distract people from maybe looking at my toes. At the time, at that point, I was single by myself and I got in the best shape of my life. And one of the reasons was, well, if I'm in good shape, nobody's gonna wanna look at my toes, right? Now, that sounds so stupid, but I'm being honest with you. Michael, laugh at me all you want. I'm just being honest. I was like, you know what? If I'm in good shape and I look good, nobody's going to look at my toes. But guess what? Again, this is what we do in our life. We look at other areas of our life that are good and we try to make those areas better. And we, we, we think this is a morale contest where if I just become a better, more morale person, my sin and my other stuff, I don't need to deal with. I don't need to confront it. I don't need to take it to God. And what we do is we get really good at hiding it. And then we convince ourselves that nobody knows. And then we convince ourselves that it doesn't affect anybody. And I'm here to tell you this morning, man, God wants you to bring whatever it is in your life that you've been dealing with and just take it to him. Just take it to him. Man, I got so good at hiding this, I convinced my wife to marry me without her seeing my feet before. No lie, I'm not joking with you. And so I'm on the plant, we get married, uh, we got a honeymoon book to Jamaica. I'm kind of excited, kind of not, because I know in Jamaica, you don't have shoes on on the beach, right? And I'm like, oh my God, this girl who I just married, she's never seen my feet before. Is she going to want to still be with me if she sees my feet? Uh, is she going to freak out when she sees my feet? Uh, what, what are we going to do? Because I'm telling you, at this point, I even thought about, praise God, I, did. I almost put a picture of them up on the screen, but I didn't. So you can thank me later for not doing that. And so we, we, we're in Jamaica. We get there the first day. And actually that day, um, we get there. The, our, it was a crazy story. I have to share it with you one day. But our plane, the way we organize it, I organize it was stupid. We get there. Um, and then we, we're so tired. We, we go to bed. And we wake up at that evening, go to dinner. So I was like, whew, good. One more day. Like, we're going to dinner. I can put my shoes on. And then the next morning, we're, the first thing we're going is to the beach, right? And so I bust out my sandals and I'm like, well, here we go. 
And she's laughing because she remembers. And, I, and finally, I just like, man, I got to tell her. Like, I need to tell her. And, not, and I'm hiding behind the bed. Like, she's on the other side of the room, and I'm on this side. And I'm like, babe, my toes are really messed up. I just want you to know. And she, <laughs> she's like, I'm sure they're not that bad. And I'm like, no, they're, they're, that, they're that bad. And, she, and she's like, it's, it's going to be fine. Like, whatever. And so I finally just muster up the courage to step out from behind the bed. And she goes, whoa. This is all true, I promise you. And at that moment, I felt so vulnerable. I felt, and everything in me, well, you know, I'm convinced that this, this girl who just married me is going to say, I can't do this. Like, that's disgusting. That's disgusting. And of course, in her loving and her grace, she's like, no, nah, it's fine. We'll, we'll be all right. And then, I, of course, at the beach, she's like, no, nah, I'm joking. Here's my whole point to this, because then I finally, here, here's long story short. I end up going to the doctor and I'm scared. I'm thinking the doctor's going to look at me the way my wife looked at me when I took off my shoes, right? Uh, I thought she was gonna, the doctor was going to freak out and, and I'm sure doctors have seen everything and everything, right? And so I take off my shoes. He goes, okay, prescribes me. He goes, take that for the month and they'll, they'll be fixed. This thing that I dealt with for years of my life that literally handicapped me from wanting to wear sandals this man said, oh, okay, this is what you need to do to fix it. And, and a month, about a month later, man, I can proudly say if I needed to preach barefooted, I would do it because I'm proud of my feet. But yeah, that's something to celebrate. We are celebrating Pastor Carlos's toenails this morning. But here's the thing. That's what we do with sin in our life, with the, the, the screw-ups that are in us, right? We try to deal with them. We try to hide them. We try to, uh, we're scared what other people are going to think. And, and, and if we're going to be members of real church, we need to be real, right? Uh, our, our mission statement clearly says that we point real people. What does that mean? Everybody falls short of the glory of God. Everybody. I don't care how good you think you are, you fall short. There's some area in your life that the Holy Spirit is trying to sanctify you in. And he wants to do it over a time. And so there's three um, let me give you the definition. Sanctify, sanctification, the work that God does in us, it basically means to set us apart. It has the same root word in the original language as saint and holy. So when you hear holy, when we sing of a holy God, that means he's different. He's set apart. There's no one like him. That's good news. We don't want to worship a God who's like us. We want to worship someone who is different, right? And so when God and the Holy Spirit uh, and Jesus the Son is working in our lives. He's sanctifying us. He's making us different. He's saying, you need to be holy. And there's three different aspects to sanctification. Now, uh, I, I want to be clear from the get-go. God isn't trying to make you better. Okay, don't, don't get this message messed up with the idea of, man, he's trying to make me better. That's not the goal of Christianity is for you to be a better person, right? Uh, because that can be never-ending. Nobody knows at what point if better is better, right? That's all uh, subjective to whoever you talk to. So God isn't trying to make you better. He's trying to make you like Jesus. There's a big difference. He's not trying to make you better. He's trying to make you like Jesus. And so here's the first, there's three aspects. Here's the first one. We're not going to camp on this one too long, uh, but it is positional or definitive sanctification. And this means 
This is at salvation. When you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, the Bible says you, you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, you will be saved. At that moment, the Holy Spirit comes and invades your life and the Holy Spirit makes home in your life and you are sanctified forever. That's good news. He, he has set you apart. You are now different. There's something different about you. We did a series uh, here at Real Church early on called Built Different. Christians are built different, not because we're better, but because he's making us more like Jesus. So definitive sanctification happens at salvation. When you give your life to Jesus, he sets you apart forever. And Paul referenced the Corinthian church in verse, chapter one, verse two, they're gonna put it up on the screen. He, he referenced this to them. He said, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, sanctified in Christ Jesus, Jesus. Let me be clear here. This is not something you can attain. This is, again, not making better till one day you attain it. This happens instantly by the power and the work of the Holy Spirit based on the work, the death, and resurrection of Jesus. Okay? Called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Both their Lord is ours. And then we go into 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, and it says, and such were some of you. He's talking about, hey, some of you weren't sanctified before. Some of you were, were prisoners, like we sang this morning. You were prisoner to your sin. You were prisoner to your anger. You were prisoner to your lust. You were prisoner to your pride. That were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were set apart. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Listen, this position, definitive sanctification, where we're set apart forever, you and I get to enjoy this by just being children of God, right? Your children get benefits just by being your children, right? They, they get access to things. They, they get to even maybe say things, do things uh, that other children don't get access to all because they are a child of yours. Same thing as Christians. You and I, we're, we're, we're set apart. We get access to the Father. We get People in the Old Testament didn't get just access anytime they wanted to the Father. Now we have Jesus, and because of him, he is our bridge to the Father. And you and I can go to him anytime. And if you are dealing with things in your life, if you have sin, and we all do, not if, your sin in your life, whatever it is, your shortcomings, man, take it to God, because what you'll do is you'll get good at hiding it, and you'll convince yourself that it's not affecting anybody, and it's not affecting those around you, and, and you can just hide it forever. And then there's a better way, and you get to enjoy that just by being a member of God's family through faith in Christ. And then the second part, and uh, we're going to camp here more, but I'm going to tell you a third one, uh, is called experiential or progressive sanctification. So, of course, progressive sanctification, this is happening over a period of time. God doing a deep work over a long period of time in community. This is where we find ourselves in our day-to-day -day lives. This is where God wants to work. And here's the thing. God doesn't just ask it of us. God commands it of us. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, he makes a pretty clear statement. It doesn't take a lot of uh, Bible commentaries to get this. He says this in 1 Peter chapter 1. Be holy for I am holy. He's saying, hey, be different. Be set apart. 
Don't be like those who don't call God Father. Not because you are better, but because he is better. And so be holy for I am holy. And this, of course, we all know just takes time. It takes time. It takes time. God just chisels away. And he's just waiting for us to bring it to him. And and, and until we bring it to him, we're always going to deal with it. You're always going to deal with whatever is just eating you alive. Whatever you've been hiding for years. Whatever you've just been trying to make a normal habit in your life. He doesn't want you to manage your sin. He doesn't want you to manage uh, your, your anger, your pride, and your lust. He wants you to bring it to him so that he can work in your life. And he's just, little by little, he's going to chisel it, right? Let me, let me say this. There is no shortcut in sanctification. We as humans in the generation, uh, in the time and space that we're living in right now, we like shortcuts, right? We, we want shortcuts. We want to know about them. We want to know how to be better, smarter, faster. And, and if there's a shortcut to do that, we want to know about it. There's no shortcut in sanctification. When God is working in your life, man, it's going to take time and you're going to get frustrated and you're just going to wish, God, just take this from me. I'm tired of dealing with it. Now, can God do that? Yeah, I think he can. I think he can deliver us from addiction. I think he can deliver us from sin uh, at any moment. But I love that when he does that in us over a period, it develops character in our life. Right, Raul mentioned last week that faith, when our faith is tested in those times, he develops perseverance in us so that one day we just, you know what, this church thing, no thank you. This real groups thing, no thank you. Uh, I'll do this by myself. And that's where he says, man, I just want to do a work in you. We're going to come back to that one. And number three, ultimate sanctification. This is the goal for every Christian. This is our, we are not, this is not our home. We are not home right now. One day we get to spend home forever with Jesus, and that is good news. And this is called positional sanctification. This comes from placing, again, our faith in Jesus, ultimate sanctification, I'm sorry. And we will attain heaven, which we will be eternally apart, set apart from God. Ephesians 5 talks about it. You and I will get to spend eternity in heaven where God will wipe away every tear, every hurt, every sin. It is perfect and beautiful, and our focus will be on Jesus and Jesus alone. I have tons of questions people asking, man, will we know if so-and-so is not in heaven? Will we know this? I think Jesus is going to be so big, so beautiful, that we're not going to be able to worry about any of those things because he is going to be that good that when we stand face-to-face with him, all we want to do is say, holy, holy, holy are you, and that is ultimate sanctification. But I want to talk about, for the next 15 minutes, this work that God is doing in our life. Every, every person is involved in, uh, every person of the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all of them are working for our process in this sanctification, uh, in this progressive sanctification. Even Jesus, we see in uh, John 17, 17. We saw in 1 Peter, he said, be holy for I am holy. In John 7, 17, 17, we see Jesus praying. He says this, sanctify them, make, set them apart, make them different in truth. Your word is truth. Let me tell you, there is no substitute for your Bible. There is no Instagram sermon clip that can replace your Bible. There is no Facebook video 
that can replace your Bible. Your Bible, we, we say here, man, we live in our word, we love our word, and we live our word. We want to be doers of the word. And let me, uh, man, if you are discouraged this morning, you say, man, but that, I was talking to Tony. Tony right now is in the book of Leviticus. Is that correct? He's in the book of Leviticus. And some of you are like, forget that. Let's go to John. Like Leviticus, I don't want to know any of these Levitical laws. There's too many of them. This is boring. This is actually kind of weird and grotesque, right? Uh, but I think God, in, in, without even Tony knowing it, man, he is just sanctifying him in little things in his heart that there's purpose in everything that we read. If you say, man, I just don't understand my Bible. It's so hard to understand. Let me tell you, number one, uh, I'm right there with you. Wait a minute, you're, you're the pastor. You shouldn't say that. Man, we all need the Spirit of God for the Word to just soak in us and know that we can understand it. You cannot understand the Word of God without the presence of God. And so every time you open up your Word, you ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate Himself when you're reading his word. And let me tell you, you're going to read something and it's just going to, and not every day, not every day I read my Bible and I'm like, oh my God, that is, I'm blown away, right? There's sometimes where when we're reading Leviticus, it's like, God, I'm glad I'm done with my Bible reading today, right? But man, if you would just ask the spirit of God to show you, God, what is it that you want me to see? And number one, let me encourage you. If you are reading your Bible and you are plugging yourself in, you're reading the Bible wrong. And I've, and I've kind of built this foundation for our church. The Bible is not about us. The Bible is for us. The Bible is about Jesus and the person of Jesus. So everywhere you read your Bible, you ask yourself, where can I see Jesus in this? Where can I see Jesus in Leviticus? Where can I see Jesus in Colossians? Where can I see Jesus in Revelation? Where are you, Jesus? Because I know you're here. Because every book points to the person of Jesus. Sometimes you need to under, you need to finally get through the whole book to understand, oh my gosh, that whole book was about Jesus. And in that, man, that whole time, without you even probably knowing, he was sanctifying you because there's no substitute. Jesus said, sanctify them with what? With truth. And us as Christians believe that God's word is truth and we believe it's a double-edged sword, that it's alive. It, it, it's our sword, it's our weapon. Okay, and he's wielding our hearts through the word of God. Here's the second thing. Jesus makes a statement. He says, man, if you love me, you'll obey me. He puts it so simple. If you love me, you'll obey me. This whole series of being untamed, we said, man, as Christians, if God is going to unleash us into this world, into your workplace, into your family, to be untamed, you have to get out of the cage and you have to obey God. There's no way around it. There's no shortcut. You have to obey him. God's calling you to do something. You need to do it. God's calling you to maybe talk to that person at work about Jesus. You need to do it. God is asking you to share Jesus with your family who's full of alcoholics. You need to do it. Man, because he sanctifies us when we do that. There's something, this lady shared a story in Real Group this past week. And she says, man, I just know there are times when something, I hear something, I see something, and God just uh, communicates to me, and, and whatever it's in a, whether it's an impression. She goes, I just know I need to pray for them. I just know, right? Maybe some of you have experienced, like, I just need to go pray for them. Man, we need to 
we need to yield to the Spirit of God and we need to say, you know what, if that's what you are asking me to do, I'll do it. I don't care how insecure I am. I don't care how much I'll talk myself out of it. Uh, I need to stop obeying that voice and I need to obey the voice of God. Because guess what I told her? Because she was like, man, I just want to get to that point where I just do it. And so I asked the real group, I was like, in y'all's opinion, what do y'all think she should do? And somebody says, she just needs to keep doing it. If you are going to hear the voice of God and obey the voice of God and obey the word of God, you just do it. It will become like breathing to you when you continue to obey the word of God. It's not this like thing over your head where like, ah, right? You don't walk like your kid when you tell them to go clean their room. Right? It's like, man, you, you, you joyfully and gladly like, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. You want me to be kind to my neighbor, I'll do it. You want me to pray for my neighbor, I'll do it. We have to obey God in this progressive sanctification. Are y'all getting it this morning? <coughs> Forgive me, I still have a little cough. And let me tell you, this, again, we see Jesus telling us, if you love me, you'll obey me. But we know that we can't do that by ourselves. So that's where the Spirit of God comes in. The Bible calls the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, our helper. We need help, right? We need to give over, give ourselves over. The Bible says you need to give yourself as a slave to righteousness. Once we were slave to sin, now I'm a slave to righteousness. Meaning, I, I want to do what God wants. I, I want what he wants. And he does that through the Spirit of God. In Romans chapter 8, it says, by the Spirit that we put to death the deeds of the body. But it says this in Romans chapter 8. For if you live according to the flesh, that's your own desires, your own thoughts, your own wills, your own emotions, you will die. But if you, by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Man, we were created new creation, right? When, when we give our life to Jesus, we're a new creation, but then we have to put to death some things in our life that are still there, that we've been dealing with for years and years. You need to put them to death. And you do that by the help of the Holy Spirit. You give those over to the Holy Spirit and you say, Holy Spirit, I'm tired of dealing with this. Will you help me grow in my patience? Right? Because the goal is to see fruit in our life. Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. We want to see that in our life. We want to see love. We want to see joy. We want to see patience. If you don't have those things, it's because you need to give yourself over to the Spirit of God and quit giving into your flesh things that you want. Because it says clearly in Scripture that if we live by the Spirit, and that because we see in Scripture that if we're going to be changed from glory to glory forever and forever, that's only possible of the Spirit through the Spirit of God, and then we see fruit in our life. And here, here's the thing, though, at the end, and this is only possible if you finally just say, you know what, I'm tired of trying to deal with this by myself. I am tired of trying to muster up, right? Uh, there was a, if you've been a part of any church or, man, you've probably seen there's, and some of you probably did it and, and good for you, but at the beginning of the year, all the churches say, you know what, we're going to go on a 21-day fast and we're going to cut out sugar, we're going to cut out coffee, we're going to cut out social media, we're going to cut out this, we're going to cut out that, right? And, and we see everybody going on this 21-day fast and what do they do? Most of the time that I've seen this happen, they pull up there, you know, and I'm, I'm going to just get through this 21 days, right? There's no, there's no giving themselves to the spirit. It's all just resistance to things that uh, maybe we uh, indulge ourselves in. 
And that's not, fa- fasting is saying, Spirit of God, work in my life. Where I am constantly on my phone, man, help me constantly be aware of your presence. Help me constantly give in to living by the Spirit. Help me uh, give uh, yield to the Spirit of God where I just walk by faith. But it's all, I'm just going to muster up. And for 21 days, I'm just going to quit doing X, Y, Z. And then what happens? Nothing changes. And I only say that because I've experienced that. For the last 10 years of my life, every year, I started my year out with a fast, 21-day fast. And guess what? Nothing would change. Nothing. It's like I quit doing X, Y, Z for 21 days for no reason. In those 21 days, there were times where, yeah, uh, I, I was giving myself and listening and being sensitive to the things of God. But most of the time, I was just proud that I was able to say, yeah, uh, I fasted for 21 days. There was one year I was in college, I fasted for 21 days, water only. I thought I was the man when I was done. Because I could tell people, oh, I only drank water for 21 days. When at the end of the day, like most of the time, I wasn't praying, reading my word. I was sleeping because I was tired. I, you know, slacking on my homework. But I never just yielded to the things of God and what he wanted to do and, and, and work in my life. Now, there are people who are fasting and they're seeking the Lord and God is sanctifying them. And so this year, uh, man, many of the leaders were asking, are we going to do a church fast? I was like, man, I encourage you guys, if the Lord is telling you to fast, fast. I, I just don't think we're going to fast this year as a, as, as a corporate fast. Not because I don't think it works or not because of anything else other than, I was like, man, I've been doing this for 10 years. And nothing's changed because of it. And instead of doing a 21 day, I said, man, this year, not just 21 days, but this year, God, help me hear your voice clearly. Help me see you clearly in your word. Help me obey your word. Right? Because we, we, we can resist things for 21 days, and that's great. But what about the other 340 days of the year? Are we going to continue being sensitive to the things of God and what we do, man, we just, we hold on to those troubles and we hold on to those sins. We hold on to those shortcomings. We hold on and think, you know what? I'm going to deal with it myself. I'll hide it. And, and, and we think, ah, you know what? Even God doesn't know. We, we convince ourselves that God doesn't know about the mess in our life and that he doesn't. And then maybe we even convince, maybe you're convinced this morning that he doesn't care. And let me tell you, we have a, we serve a God who cares. He cares about every little aspect in your life. What, whatever, if it deals with your finances, if it deals with your children, if it deals with your workplace, if it deals with your marriage, if it deals with your boss, if it deals with your home, if it deals with your car, he cares. I can't tell you that enough. He cares. And this morning, I hope that you're encouraged. You know what? I'm done trying to work on this by myself. I'm, try, I'm done trying to chisel this or whatever it may be, this sin in my life by myself, because I want to be free from it. I don't know if you've ever been freed from something that you've dealt with for years, but man, it is, it's like a weight is just lifted off of your back. When I could finally go to the pool and walk with my toes in the air, there was freedom. And let me tell you, there's been sin in my life that I had dealt with for years that I thought were going to be with me until my grave. And then when I finally said, you know what, God, here it is. When I got men around me and said, guys, pray for me. I don't want to deal with this by myself. The Lord set me free. And let me tell you, you're you're free. When you're free, you're free indeed is what the scripture says. And that comes 
through him sanctifying us in the word. How on earth are you going to know what pleases the heart of God if you're not in your word? Because all you think is, is going to please the Lord is your, your morality. You think you not cussing that day is going to make the Lord proud. And I, I would almost argue, man, like if you think that, you might as well go ahead and cuss if that's what you think is making the Lord proud. Pastor Carlos tell me I could cuss? Don't take that from the sermon. That's not what I'm telling you. What I am telling you, when you read your word of God and it sanctifies you and it changes you, you find your identity not in the things around you, not in the things that you own, not in the things that you possess, but in the person and the work of Jesus. And you know that you are justified, that when God looks at you, he doesn't see shortcoming, he doesn't see sin, he doesn't see screw up, he doesn't see prideful, he doesn't see lustful, he sees a child of his who was washed by the blood of Jesus and you are forgiven forever. But you have to find your identity in him and him alone or you're going to think your own doing is doing that. Raul, you can come up. So this morning, man, let's be real church. Let, let, let's, let me do my job in pointing you to uh, real people who are all messed up who all have something that you've been hiding, you've had something that you've been suppressing, you've, been, you've had something that you've tried to deal with on your own, in your own doing. And I'm here to tell you, just surrender. Let it go. I think, I've been referencing, I got kids, so Disney movies. Do what Princess Elsa, let it go. Just let it go. Give it to him. Go before your father and say, God, I'm tired of dealing with this. I need this out of my life. And I, my prayer is that he delivers you that moment. But from my experience and from my reading of the word of God, and my, I, what I understand, I think it's going to take time. And I think he's going to do a work in your life. And if you, if you are a selfish individual, I think he's going to present opportunities for you to be selfless this week. I think he's going to give you opportunities. You know what? I need to stop worrying about myself. I need to check on some of my work Fruit is just falling off of you. 
love, joy, patience, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Those things are going to fall off of you and take the sanctifying work of God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Here's the cool thing. Some of you, and I'm done. Some of you really think, man, no way, no way. We're talking five years, 10 years, 15, 20, 25 years of this being a part of my life. There's no way. I can't even imagine what it would be like not having that in my life because you've learned to manage it that well. I'm here to tell you, Jesus will look at you just like he did. You go read the stories about Jesus and his interactions with people. We see the woman at the well, been divorced many times. She's living with a man who's not her husband. And he knows that. We, we, we see the lady uh, with, with the blood issue for 12 years and people in the back, right? We see people in the back and like, oh yeah, Jesus, get her. Finally, that, that sin has been brought out by get her. Jesus clearly just tells them, man, I love you. I love you. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. He didn't say go be better. He just said go sin no more. What was the root of that? Because they realized their identity was now found in him, in him alone. Listen to me. You weren't here this morning by accident. You weren't here this morning just because you woke up on time and you're like, hey, we should go to church. It's the sanctifying work of the Spirit of God inside of you. That he's drawing you to the things that he wants you to walk in. He's drawing you into that joy. He's drawing you into that kindness. He's drawing you into that love. He's drawing you into that self-control. He's drawing you. There's purpose for everything that God does in your life. It's all for the purpose of setting you apart. It's all for progressive work. So this morning, don't live here discouraged, saying, man, I'm just the same person that I've been for the last five years. In 2022, I said it was going to be a new me. Simple things, right? I just don't have self-control. Help me have self-control, Spirit of God. ourselves in the Spirit of God. Be obedient to the things that God's already called that we know are true, that are found in the Word of God. And walk in those things. And watch Him work in our lives. Because He's working. He's working. When we don't see it, He's working. When we don't see it, He's working. When we don't hear Him, He's working in our lives. Why? Not because He wants to make you better, but because He wants you to be like Jesus. Because He loves you. Father, I thank you. And your, your goal is not to make us better. Your goal is not to make us more moral. But your goal is to make us like this, like your son, who is holy and set apart, who is perfect. And God, that is not attainable by our own doing. And some of us in this room have been trying to deal with things far too long by ourselves. And God, this morning, you have drawn them here. You have led them here to say, I want it. Let me work in that area of your life. Quit hiding it. Quit thinking that it's not affecting those around you. Quit thinking that you can manage this on your own. Because I'm better and I can, I can take it from you. So, Father, I pray that we be obedient to your word. We be obedient to your calling. That we just give it to you. 
this morning. God, I pray that that would start by seeing you in all of your beauty, seeing you in all of your goodness, because it is your goodness, the Bible says, that causes us to turn away from our sin. So, Father, this morning, may we see your goodness as we sing to you. Father, I thank you for all that you're doing here at Real Church. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. We stand.